Welcome to Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. This is the place to hear real and raw conversations about what it takes for female entrepreneurs to achieve financial success and live a rich life. I'm Vanessa Shaw, author of The Million Dollar Question and your hostess for this podcast. Hey, good morning, Christy. Welcome to the Get Rich Without Being a Bitch podcast. (laughs) Oh my God, I know, I can't still laugh when I say that title. I have to say, I'm going to share a little bit about my guest today, and I am so excited for our conversation this morning because it is such an important, profound conversation that underpins everything that we do. So you all need to be as excited as I am to hear the magic that we're going to be talking about today because I have Christy Whitman on the call here today, on the podcast, multi-time author, best-selling author as well, which just that I have deep respect for because most people know my stories about writing books and it never ends well. But you are a transformational leader, celebrity coach, law of attraction expert, as well as two-time New York's best-selling author, The Art of Having It All. That's an amazing topic. Taming Your Alpha Bitch and international, international bestseller, Quantum Success. And of course, now I actually have in my own hands your latest book, The Desire Factor, which I just absolutely love the branding, but more importantly, I love the conversation that's happening in there. But you've been in major media outlets, the Today Show, the Morning Show, TEDx, Hallmark Channel, and you've been featured in various publications, including Goldcast, People, 17, Women's Day, Hollywood Life, and Teen Vogue, to name just a few. But you are the CEO and founder of the Quantum Success Coaching Academy, which is a 10-month Law of Attraction coaching certification program. And you've already helped certify over 3,000 life coaches globally in that body of work. Not to mention, of course, all the private clients that you're working with. So your work is A, having a massive ripple effect in the world uh, through those programs. And I know you've just got some amazing goodies to share with us today as well. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to be with you. We have, so, I feel like we have so many things to talk about from the, you know, getting rich without being a bitch to taming your alpha bitch to, I mean, desires to so much to d- dive into. So, and then, and then just before we went live, we discovered that we're almost neighbors and we live in the, the same part of the country, which I didn't even know about nearly like two town, you know, same town. So let's dive in desire, the desire factor. What was your desire behind writing the book in the first place? Why well, that book? Yeah. So all of my books, and it's been like this with my seven books that I've written, and this was what started my journey 20 years ago. All of my books just come through me and in an effort to teach me what I need to understand and know. And that they, it literally channels. And so with this book, it was really interesting. I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the Mediterranean, first class, everything, five star, right? It was, it was just amazing. And I had gifted my mom and my dad and my husband and my two boys. We all, the company paid for, for this amazing trip for them. And when we had one day, we were in Venice and Venice was special to me because several years before that, I want to say it was about seven or eight years before that, my mom and dad and my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, we all went on a two-week trip to Italy and spent three days in Venice. And when we got to Venice, this was the first time that I saw 
like high end designer purses and clothes. And so I went into Venice and if you've ever been to Venice, Capri is a lot like that. It was just like Dolce and Gabbana and Dior and Chanel. And I mean, Fendi, I mean, it just went on and on and on. And I've always had an affinity for fashion and I've always loved that since I was a little girl. So I was like, oh my gosh, I died, went to heaven. Right. And my boyfriend, who is now my husband at the time said to me, I don't think I can afford you because he saw how excited I got about these purses. Right. And I told him then, and you have to know the timing of this. I had just started my coaching business going full time. I had been coaching for many years, but I was working for corporate America. So I had just like literally stepped off to start my own business and we had already had this trip planned. And so for me to buy anything for myself in any of these stores at that particular time, I didn't say to myself, oh, well, I can't afford this stuff. This, you know, it'd be materialistic if I wanted it or, you know, it's wrong to desire that. I said to myself, you know what, someday I'm going to come back to Venice with you and I'm going to go in any one of these shops and out of a space of freedom, you know, not a have to, if I desire anything in here, a purse that kind of tickles me that I like, then I'm going to get it. So fast forward, here I am on the cruise ship. My parents are there, you know, family, everything. And we went to Venice for the, for the day for, it was about a day and a half, had the most beautiful moments with my mom and my, my kids in the morning. And then they went back on the ship and my husband and I went through the stores with that feeling of just total freedom that I could buy whatever I want as a symbol of success. Right. And how far I had come. Yes. Because I certainly wasn't in that place when I went there before. Now I was. And I remember going into several of the stores looking at things. And I went into Dolce and Gabbana and I found the most adorable purse. And I thought that's it. And it was even cheaper than the other ones that I I saw. But that's the one that is that symbol of success. So here I am, I'm back on the ship and I'm unwrapping the purse and I'm admiring it going, wow, this literally is a, a symbol of what I said I was going to do. My desire, you know, to, to have a, a multinational coaching business and multimillion dollar and all this success and, and all the impact, you know, like that ripple effect you were talking about. That's what that represented for me as a human being. And as soon as I was admiring it, a voice said, that is so materialistic. Mm. I was like, who is that? <laughs> Who asked you? Right? Like, who are you? And it was my sister's voice, a very imprinted conditioning thing that I had. Now, my sister's been gone for 25 years. She committed suicide. And, and, you know, I've gone through a big healing on that, but, and a lot of teaching on that. But for most of my life, I remember being a little girl, we would dress up for Easter right? And I would wear the little dress with the hat and the gloves. And I had the little purse. I just love dressing up. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And she would scoff at me like, Ugh. you know, cause that wasn't her mm-hmm. thing, but mm-hmm. she made it wrong for me. And so in that moment, holding this thing, that was such a symbol of success, hearing that that's so materialistic, I went, how is that? It's a material thing. Yes. But how is that bad? Look who I became mm-hmm. in the process. And then it came that the, the kind of like, it feels like a knock on the door, or a tap on the shoulder. I grabbed my pen and just started writing. And, and the words, the desire factor just came across and I just started writing and writing. And then interestingly enough, that channeling that stopped and I paused it for a while. And when I did, that's when the council started channeling through me. 
and then it picked up again. And so it, what, it, it's different from my other books where usually it was like the art of having it all. It just downloaded for two weeks, stop, that's the book, edited, you know, put in stories, mm-hmm. that whole thing. But this one was had its waves, just just literally like the cover of the book, yeah. right? It has like energetic waves. That's what it felt like. So I love that. And I want to, you know, dig back in there because I think that there's so much, right, in what you said there. A, you were aware of that desire within you when you were first in Venice. Right? By the way, Venice is one of my favorite cities in the world as well. Mm. It's magical. I mean, the history, everything. I mean, you know, yes, the designer shops there, and that may have been the first experience of having that. And, and there's there's just layers and layers and layers to a place like Venice, right? But even even to desire to go to Venice in the first place, right? Right. And then the des- to, to recognize that there was something that you wanted that represented freedom for you in those designer stores, that at that point in time, you, you know, you weren't accessing it, let's say, at the full capacity that you wanted to, right? Right. And that you would then return years later. So you've got the seed of desire that says, years later, I will return here and be able to, you know, choose what I want to purchase from a place of true freedom. So I think that's really important, right? Is that, that, you know, the desire didn't go away. You acted upon it. Um, And as you say, it's about the representation of the purse. Now, I also happen to be somebody, I love nice things. I love beauty and design. I don't need tons of tons of things, but I like beautiful things. And I've always felt myself Clear, clearly. Thank you. <laughs> clearly, you know that's that's one of my symbols of success behind me as well. This piece of art from an it's amazing, a beautiful piece, amazing Canadian French artist, female artist as well. I might add, of course. But again, right the the want the desiring of something that represents for us a level of growth yes that we will actually go through in order to attain it and in order to attain it in a way that we attain it and we feel very authentic and in, in integrity right i'm not talking about attaining things from a childish perspective or well i'm going to just do it anyway and you know put it on a credit card right it's really coming right. to the place of the growth and so when we t- when you're talking about the mix between material possessions, because right, yes, a designer purse is yes, technically it is a material possession. But then we can talk about but the spiritual growth that is involved, right? This is actually a spiritual act to purchase the designer purse. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about what you mean about the spiritual component of that, because I think there's such a miscommunication and misunderstanding that material you're either materialistic and that's certainly something that I would have grown up with and would have had that named you know me you're being materialistic or you're spiritual but you can't be both it's wrong (laughs) so dive in there (laughs) I love that well let's just talk about material for a second you know let's let's look at it broad spectrum an apple is material. It's a material form, right? And we were all taught from very early on that in the Bible, it was Adam and Eve. And then there was this material thing called an apple. And let's just face it, damn the bitch, because she's the one that ate the apple, right? Now, last thing I ever remember is, you know, you and I live in a place that has snakes, you know, mm-hmm. 
I've never seen a snake talk. I, I never have. Have you ever been tempted by a snake to? No. Yeah. No, it, never. <laughs> no, nobody I ever checked in with ever had talked to a snake that, you know, lulled us into wanting an apple or a purse or any of these kind of things, right? Mm. So we're, we're told this story of Adam and Eve and Eve just messed it up for everybody, right? We were all kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Mm. So it goes back to stories like that. Mm. And, and we haven't updated our stories. I mean, you, you, when you think about it, you know, just the way we listen to music, right? I, I was born in the 70s. I was actually born in 1970. And, you know, I had eight tracks. And then it went to, you know, and then you had the big records. And then it went to the little runs. And then, and then we moved into, you know, the, the CD, right? Now, CDs are obsolete now. It's like mm-hmm. everything's downloaded. Even our music has evolved. Those stories have remained the same and energetically have imprinted us that that doing that, reaching for the apple is wrong. And Mm. so now as it equates and, you know, if someone wants to have pretty things, well, what do you, how do you get pretty things? You have to buy them. You have to get them. You have to earn and do something of value to earn money to then buy the things that you want, whether it's an apple or a high-end purse. And long before you and I were born, everybody agreed that we have this medium of exchange called money. Mm. But yet in the Bible, which is the spiritual, you know, spiritual religious works that we have back there telling the story of Adam and Eve, it also says in that Bible, for the, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So let's really mess up people because I need money to buy stuff. And yet it says there in the text. I'm not supposed to love money, right? And what we, I'll say this, spiritual people understand is that having money is not the end-all be-all. It's the feeling that the money gives. It's the freedom, the security. It's the choices, the options. It's the, you know, you get to be free to to walk into a store if you want to, or to give generously to a, you know, a, a nonprofit or a charity. I mean, there's, there's so many ways, but if we close off, we're closing off to be able to also give. And what are we closing off to? Everything is energy. We know this from science and, and you know quantum physics, that everything is energy. In order to create any type of form, it, you have to have energy. In order for me to become that person that wasn't ready to buy that purse to the person that was and could go there and freely feel it, I had to inv- involve, I had to become I had to expand into the energy of that person versus the person I was. Absolutely. And that was a spiritual process. Mm. That was that was me releasing pain points of limitation and lack to then I can move more into abundance and then hold that energetic space and then do it again and do it again and to continue to expand. The expansion that I'm feeling is connection with my divine and is connection with light. So that is spiritual. The energy is spirit. And so if all forms are created first with energy and spirit, you know, when you think about it, that Dolce & Gabbana purse was an inspiration to one of the designers, you know, and they then created it into a form that took creativity. Totally. And it was their desire as well, right? It was their desire (laughs) come through them, however that landed, but it was their desire to create something of beauty in the world 
so that somebody else could actually benefit from it and enjoy it. Yes. Right. So it's like when we look at that, it's like it's messed up that why would therefore wanting to purchase and actually enjoy uh, an object of beauty that somebody else has created, why would that be unspiritual as well, right? Is it? It's, yeah, well, here's the thing, though, because on the other end of the spectrum, right, there are people that are greedy. And by the way, it was greed is the root of all evil, not money. And that's how it got changed. Mm. When we have someone, we actually just watched a, a documentary on the greed in America is what it was called. And it talked about how there's these people that just have more money than they know what to do with and they waste and, you know, and, and they want more and they're driven by more and more and more. That's not what we're talking about. That's not a spiritual approach to creating what you're desiring. That's actually being in lack because you have to hoard. It's coming from a place of, I got to get more. I got to make more. I got, you know, it's coming from rooted in lack and limitation versus feeling connected and feeling like, oh, you know, I would desire to do that, mm. right? I would love to have this experience. We, we just had a desire, a desire factor that just manifested and it wasn't a material thing at all, but it was the same spiritual process than, than if it was something material that I wanted. Because ultimately the thing that we want, it, we want it for a reason. There's a feeling, there's an essence, there's an energy underneath it. And when we can connect with that energy, now we're a very vibrational match to it. And now we are in relationship with it. Right. It's attracted to us and we move towards it. It, there, it becomes a um, ill and energetic relationship. It becomes then a form. And then, it's, and, then, and then it becomes so much easier and smoother, right, for those things to happen. So let's just backtrack a little bit because, I mean, you talk about greed. And I, you know, again, I think this is where people get confused, right? It's like, Again, the wanting, the desiring of something, especially if it's in a material form, you know, perhaps there's at times that fear of judgment that I'll be considered shallow, materialistic, greedy, right? I mean, and these were some of the scripts, frankly, that I grew up with. Um, I think I came into this world with just a lot of desire in me. I've always, I was always very present to it growing up. And some of the scripts that I heard growing up were things like, you know, Vanessa, when is it ever going to be enough? When will you be satisfied? You know, like mm -hmm. really, when will you, when, when will you be content? And yet at the time I was like, why do I have to be this feeling of like content? And it wasn't that I wasn't, you know, coming from an empty place. I was just seeing that there was a lot of opportunity in the world and there were dreams and there were, there were people that lived differently and I wanted that for myself. Yes. In a way that puts me, or certainly put me before I started to do a lot more deeper personal work on myself before my journey, into a place of denying my desires. Yes, right? exactly. And exactly. so, well, they've got to be wrong. Um, other people don't seem to have them because these were not conversations that I was in back then. And it really came to a place where I would just kind of deny right, those desires and push them down. And of course, you know, push them down. Typically, we can go into a dysfunctional place with that as well, because any, anything we're denying can tend to rule us, right? It can you know, actually take over and or manifest itself in unhealthy ways. But also one of the things that I started to go through was kind of unpacking different desires, right? Yes. So, Yes, we can talk about all of these desires, but there's desires of the ego, there's desires of self-expression, there's desires of contribution, 
There are desires that we have inside of us that frankly just aren't going away. You know, one of mine was around making a difference in the world through business, through entrepreneurship. It had no founding whatsoever in anything rational. I did not come from a family of business owners. I didn't know any other entrepreneurs, yet I knew I wanted to run my own business, make a big impact, and the work had to make a positive difference in the world. And Christy, yeah. I knew that from a very young age, like I'm talking nine or 10. Well, that's, that's your divine. That's what people don't understand is that it's when it feels like a expansive desire, it's coming from your divine. When it feels like a desire of, I got to get this so I could impress other people or that I could get love or that, you know, so I could prove my worth. That's not coming from the divine, right? It, It is a, some would say maybe shallow, maybe coming from your imprint, from your pain points, but even those desires if you're wanting to, you know, get something because you want to impress something, what happens is you get it and you're like, well, that didn't do it. Yeah. You know, and, and then you go, well, wait a minute, if that didn't do it, what does it? And then you start asking the questions of what actually will satisfy you. I, I just wanted to bring up something, what you were saying, because it's, it's like understanding that the law of sufficiency and abundance is like a spectrum. And on one side of the spectrum is lack and limitation. And this is where all of the Oh, do you, do you, can you not be satisfied? Stop asking, right? Stop asking for things. Just be happy and satisfied with what you have. They're coming from a place of they can't source all of your asking. So they feel limited, right? Mm-hmm. I was, ask me how I know it, it was, that was that way, right? They, they couldn't handle the request. And I wasn't coming from a place of, I don't have enough and I'm not happy and satisfied. But like you, it's like, I'm so satisfied. I'm so loving this. Ooh, and there's more over there. Ooh, yeah. and, and that's the way the divine wants us to be in the moment, happy and satisfied with what is, but curious and wanting to create because energy is constantly moving. And that divine self that's giving us the information and showing us this beautiful world of polarity and contrast and, you know, things we like and things we don't and things we prefer and things we don't, you know, we get to decide that. And by looking at things going, Ooh, I desire to do this, but those deep desires of wanting to have impact and creating change. And that is a soul desire. And mm. you can't deny those because that's suffering when you deny it, it's suffering. And I went through that. I mean, that's a big part of my story is, was denying that, right? As I said, you know, I was aware of that from a young age and I went on to get married and I had my kids and I supported my husband in his global career when we were living in Switzerland. And I had buried all of those desires and I wasn't unhappy. I, I think this is the other thing I want people to know, especially people that are in a place where they're and it's still in a good place. I was very happily married, loved my kids. You know, I had a nice home and two dogs or no, it was a dog and a cat and two cars, kind of like, you know, very, a very, very nice middle-class existence. Yes. And all of a sudden those desires started to ignite again. And when that happened to me, I didn't know really and truly what to do with them back then. Because back then when that was happening, I couldn't see how I could actually fulfill on those desires. So now this felt like a very painful place. It was like, wow, it's really coming up. And there were times when it felt like a fire in me. I mean, literally, it was like burning inside of me. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this because fulfilling on them is very seems very unclear and what I'm being called to do feels like I have to make too many sacrifices 
And I, again, it was back to at the time, I didn't understand enough of like where to tune in, in order to kind of get that guidance and trust. Yes. And it was when, as you've just said, it was the learning, which is kind of what I teach my own clients now. It's like, those desires have been given to you for a reason, right? As you say, they are soul inspired desires. They've been there a long time. They will evolve once you act on them, right? And everything. But it was like, once I accepted and was at peace with the fact that these have been given to me for a reason and there's not something wrong with me and I can stop the second guessing around, well, who am I? You know, all of those scripts and everything else that would come up, then all of a sudden that energy was unleashed. Yes, exactly. Okay, now that energy was like, okay, now this is kind of the fun stuff of, okay, how am I gonna act, right? Right. That she followed, trust this energy, and start following it, following it, and really leaning into those desires. Absolutely. That happened to me too. It was one of those things I was married. I had my dream home, you know, lots of money. I was a pharmaceutical rep. I had lots of success, but I had that. Mm, and I didn't know what that calling that, that moving forward was all about, but what it showed up in my reality you know, it's like, Hey, I, I, people look at me and go, she's got it all right. Health and mod, my body, you know, just, I had, I had it all when, when you think about having it all, it, at least in my definition, yet I felt that nagging that I wasn't on purpose and I didn't feel passionate about what I did for a career. Mm-hmm. Right. I could still do it, but it, it just didn't feel And then it started to feel like it was literally the minute I'd step out of my house to go into to go to work. And I was going to physician's offices. I was a pharmaceutical rep. So I left the house. But the minute I did and I got in my car, I felt drained because mm-hmm. I knew what I was off to go do. And so for me, it was a matter of understanding that the contrast that I was feeling was a desire that I hadn't become clear about. And the desire that I had, like yourself, was to have passion and purpose in what I was doing. That was, it was first the energy for me that I knew. And so I started to cultivate what it felt like. It's the principle I talk about in the desire factor, the principle of having. So Mm -hmm. I would feel as if I had passion and purpose. And within a very short period of time, like a month's time of consistently doing this, that's when my first book came through me in the middle of the night at 105 in the morning for seven nights in a row. And I went and got the book published. I started speaking in spiritual bookstores and churches. And that's when people started asking me to coach. And then I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't know anything about coaching. This is 20 mm-hmm. years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like reference was cheerleading coach or like a football coach. And so people started calling me on the phone and I was just telling them what I was learning about these universal laws and about energy and about shifting you know, from lack to abundance. And they were doing that and then emailing me or calling me back going, oh my gosh, this has happened. And they were getting outrageous results. And like all of a sudden, you know, $100,000 they earned. It was like the floodgates opened or they found the person. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that on weekends and, you know, nights. And one of my, the people that, one of my colleagues that was on my team um, was asking me, what are you doing? Because I kept winning all these awards and bonuses. So I started coaching her and she went from like one of the last people in the, in, in the company to one of the top where she won what they call president's trophy award, right? Yeah. It's like the biggest honor. And so then she started telling a friend and it just started snowballing. I didn't know that this form of how I would create impact, but this, this passion, this purpose that I have, I had no idea that this even existed as a possibility in the place that I was, but following and flowing with the energy, 
it, it mm-hmm. creates the forms. It has the forms, the people, the situations, everything show up yeah. and it's, it's flowing with that. Yeah. And it's letting that lead you, right? And as I say, trusting that as well. Um, and I hear you because again, it's like for me, once I unleash that, as you say, it was the passion and the purpose. Yes. And I remembered back then and at, and at a time when, as I say, I was happily, you know, I was kind of happily mad that, that the whole image of having it all on the outside yes. and this great life and living in Switzerland, but I was dying inside, right? It's that I was so bored. And I remember looking at my life back then thinking, oh my gosh, if I carry on down the path that I'm on now, it's going to be another 40 years of this. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, I'm already dying inside. I wanted to feel the, the term I actually used back then was I wanted to feel alive. Yes. Right. That's yes. what I wanted to feel. So I started to pursue what will make, you know, what will help me feel more alive. And right. that's the and that's the brilliance of it is that we can just choose to feel more alive right now. We think it's the desires that will get us there, right? But it's it's who we become in the process of the desires. So it's like it, the human part of us gets this idea that it's ooh, I like that, or I want to do this, and then we start taking action. We move towards that desire, right? But it's the divine in us is like, you know, that's who you're becoming. Mm, I know we we talk about that a lot. I love. Again, the who do you need is kind of like the who do you need to become, right? Who do you need to become more of in order to manifest those desires, right? To make them possible. And so I'm curious your take. I was kind of thinking about this, you know, like how do we describe, you know, I think about in a simple, and perhaps it might not seem so simple to all of our listeners, but the, in fact, I was going to use the example of what a desire to travel to Italy. <laughs> that was actually my idea. We, we started talking about Venice. Of course, no, no surprises, yes. there, right? And but somebody desires to go to Italy and they're going to do the research. They're going to work out the budget. They're going to see how they could get there. They're going to buy tickets, right? They're going to make a commitment. They're going to get their hotel or their Airbnb or whatever, and they can kind of make it happen. And those things, feel, those things can feel like a very rational process. But now when it comes more into kind of like our heart work, right? And something that feels really close and really important to us, I see people getting in their own way and a lot of kind of self-sabotage and being in that place that you talk of in the book of in the gap of wanting. Yes. Right? Yes. It can feel like, especially because I work with a lot of business owners, a lot of female business owners, or, you know, like I want to grow a million dollar business because I want to have that level of impact. I want to be part of the 2% crowd. You know, I want to, you know, fill in the blank. And yet there can be this big gap and it's not happening. And all of a sudden kind of struggle and self-sabotage might be happening in that gap. Can you speak to that? What is the difference between kind of Booking that trip to Italy. <laughs> I have a perfect example. And that hard work of like, this is what I really want. And it feels so important. This, this, this is a perfect example for that. So um, that's really the principle of surrender in the book. And, and it's important to understand that surrender comes very late in the principles. It doesn't, it's not, oh, just surrender. Because we want to focus on what we want. So I have an example of this. Many years ago, I had kind of dreamed up that I wanted, I kept having the desire to go to Paris. And my husband is French Canadian. So he speaks French beautifully, right? And so I wanted him because he's been, he was, he had been to Paris before. I wanted him to design the entire trip. And 
for, you know, five star everything, right? Because I like the best too. I want to, if I'm going to Paris, I want to see, and these were my qualifications. I want to see the Eiffel Tower from my room. Mm-hmm. I want to go shopping at Chanel. I want to eat a croissant every day. And the rest is up to you. Those are those are my things, right? And at the time, we had just separate, we were, we were in the business together and he had stopped working with me and was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. So the timing financially for her, for him to just say, Hey, you know, we're going to pick up and go to, to Paris. Um, it wasn't happening. And yet I want, that's what I wanted. I wanted him to whisk me away. Right. And say, your bags are packed and what you don't have, we're going to go shopping in, you know, in Paris. This is like a, just a big fantasy of mine. Cool. And it was awesome in my head. It was amazing. Yeah, right. So, but then what came what came in was that's never going to happen. Or if it does happen, you're probably going to be old. And I was clear. I don't want that to happen in another 10, 20 years. I don't want to be, you know, eighty when I finally go to Paris. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that was in my head. And so to release that, what was stopping me was that's impossible because he can't. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Right letting me use him as the excuse of why that can happen. So I released that, um, the energy of that. And then I came up with the idea. I said, what if we go and I'll take care of everything as far as the money and all that stuff, but you have, you know, a carte blanche to do whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You get to design it and create it. Money is backed. And he's like, I like that. So we just kind of were talking about that. Just around the, the literally within the same 24 hours, I got asked to um, speak in Milan and they would pay for our airfare tickets, first class and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, great. Right. So here we, we were going to Milan and I said, we're going to be going to Europe. Why don't we go to Paris? You know, we, we have we'll just pay the difference in the, you know, the tickets. So we book everything, not even thinking of the date or anything like this. And then the booking uh, speaking engagement falls through. So now we have to adjust, but we're like, we're already booked to go to Paris, right? It happened to be, we were leaving for Paris on our 10 year wedding anniversary. And neither one of us even realized it. <laughs> I love that. We, we fly first class there. We're literally laying in this room. It was the most beautiful hotel. I not only had the a view of the Eiffel Tower, I had the view of the Eiffel Tower. Like it was, and I'm laying in bed. We're both tired. And all of a sudden the thing starts sparkling at night. I didn't know it did that. I was like, oh my gosh. And then the, there was fireworks because they were filming and moving for Netflix in the shape of hearts. This is like our 10 oh year anniversary. Gosh. It was like, it kept getting better and better. Right. And I was, he was teasing like, yeah, I did that. But he, he took us to these amazing, um, you know, places like these, uh, uh, what's it called? Castles. And we had heard like just before we were going to Paris, we were at a concert for Joan Jett because I love rock and roll music. And we heard, I had heard that the Rolling Stones were going to be in Europe, right? And I'm like, can you imagine if they're there the week we were there? He ended up buying tickets, great seats for the Rolling Stones. So we got to see the Rolling Stones in Paris. I went on like a pretty, you know, pretty woman shopping spree, not at Chanel, but at this, you know, local designer it was the most, I ate croissants every day. I did not end up getting Chanel purse, but I got a Fendi wallet. You know, we just had so much fun just being the two of us and being romantic. And, and it was, it was not something that we actually went out and did. It was just, it, we allowed the, the, the desire itself to literally fulfill itself in a way that was, it felt even beyond our control. 
it, mm-hmm. it was just so magical. And it's magical, you know, listening to it, it's exactly what it says. Like it, it, it feels magical, right? The process of it. Yes. And yet what there was in there was that, as you say, that noticing of expressing the desire initially, right? Yes. And then noticing that voice that comes in, the doubter, the one that doesn't believe, right? And I think, you again, you talk about that in your book around that law of expectation. Yes. I was thinking about this for myself. Well, when I book a trip to wherever it might be in the world, we love to travel as well. I'm always expecting it to happen. The only time this has ever been questionable was just recently now with COVID, right? right. Yeah. Global pandemic. But I have always expected it. Like I've set out, we're going to do this, we're going to go, and I expect it to happen. And because I expect it to happen, I am now acting as if, right? Yes, exactly. Alignment, and I'm taking the steps and I'm taking the actions and I'm anticipating, as you say, like the gorgeous, you know, croissant on a French boulevard in the morning or, you know, putting my feet in the Mediterranean or the Greek salad in Mykonos or whatever mm. it is. I'm already anticipating and savoring and experiencing all of that ahead of time. And then it happens magically, right? But all of that doesn't come if you're not open to your desires. Mm. That's the point. All these, we, we can, you know, I, I can taste the salad in Mykonos because I've been there and it was, oh, I probably didn't have the same salad in the same place, but it's like that, you just mentioned that experience. And I'm like, yes. That was a desire to go to Greece. That was a desire to travel with my kids when they were young and go on fabulous cruises and do these kind of things because I had that desire. If I hadn't had that desire, we wouldn't have had those experiences. So how is that bad or materialistic? Mm. I'm a spiritual being in this physical body, in this material world. And if I'm going to drive a car from point A to point B, I want to drive the car that tickles my toes. Right. I want to live in a house. I feel like, oh, this is so beautiful. Right. I want to do something in the world that when I do it, it creates change or impact. It it affects someone in a positive way. Right. It's like these are deep desires and all of them are a mix between the spiritual and the material. They're both. And because we are both. And yes. And I would say the other thing of that is they're all relational. Right. As yes. well. I mean, that's the other thing. All of those things are happening in relationship to other people in the world. So as we talk about the creator of the beautiful purse, the creator of the wonderful car, the, the people that we will meet on the plane to Italy, the, the restaurants that we'll go into. I mean, my daughter and I still have um, the most, actually it was, it was just a beautiful moment that she actually shared with me mid COVID. We'd had to bring her home from Hawaii. She was pursuing her dreams and she came home for 363 days, two days short of one year. Wow. And has now gone back out to Maui. But there was one moment where we were in lockdown, like everybody was here and just not going out. And she said, do you know what I would give anything for right now, mommy? Do you know what I would give anything for? And I was like, oh gosh, what? <laughs> you know, and what thinking, you know, she wants to go back to Hawaii or da, da, da. And she said, I would give anything right now for you and I to be transported back to that lunch spot in Mykonos last year where we had that amazing paella and we just, we'd swum in the, you know, in the Mediterranean beforehand and this little divey place. And she said, just to go back and be, relive that moment with you 
in Mallorca with that paella again right now. She said, I'm just so present to it. I mean, you can see I get teary-eyed. You can feel it. I'm there with you. I could see that you two of you over at a separate table enjoying your conversation. It's it's alive. The energy is alive. It's completely alive, right? And again, it's like, how can that not be an amazing spiritual moment that we traveled together, right? We had a dream and a desire to do that together. We had these magical days around Mallorca together, these magical shared moments that live on energetically in our hearts, right, forever. And we're still reliving them. Yes. Um, You know, and they continue to inspire us and lift us up. And as I say, in that moment of lockdown, I just always remember that moment. I was like, wow, you remember that moment in exactly the same way that I recall that moment because it was so special and so magical. But again, it all started with our desires, right? And our desire to experience the fullness of life, right? To have a shared experience together. Yes. Yes. Nothing happens without a desire. It's the birthplace of new. And the, and those people that feel, and it might be some of your listeners, like, God, I would love that, but I can't. It's the, but I can't. That's the lie. That's the, but I can't. It, that's the imprinted part that comes from limitation. It's not who we really are. And it's the desire that's calling us forth to become more of who we really are. And so we have a free will and choice to what part are we going to listen to? The one that's calling us forward and letting ourselves have permission to feel and to be alive and to desire these things that do create that sense of aliveness or just be sat- satisfied with what you have. Yeah. And then satisfied with what you have always feels good, right? I know, always feels good. And I say, and then end up feeling like very boring and listless and like some boring old housewife. But that's really what I felt like back then. And I mean, I even used to, I even, I've showed photos of myself at live events when we were doing live events of actually what I looked like back then and what I looked like then several years later. And most people, I mean, they can't even, you know, they're like, you looked like that, Vanessa, because the energy was gone. Yes. This is really this conversation today. And I want to, I could stay all day long talking about this with you, but I'm going to to get some, you know, quick seven questions in 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 a minute. But what I do want our listeners to listen to is desires are everything, as you say, they're the beginning of creation. Um, We certainly need to learn to discern right desires of the ego, desires that come from lack, desires that are really more in our you know soul based Mm -hmm. desires and truly heart based desires. And what I love about your book, which by the way. I've got tons of highlighter going through it as well. I'm sitting down, reading slowly, just like savoring every moment. Your book lays a roadmap of all of these different levels, right? The different levels that people can, you know, really understand using those spiritual laws to bring into their bring in their desires. Um, so I'm going to make sure that we have that link in because it is, it's to say, it's just, it's such an amazing book. And you write so clearly, by the way, as well. That's what I really appreciate. It's like, okay, yeah, I just get it. <laughs> so yeah. let's just, because this is, you know, the Get Rich Without Being a Podcast, we have a few little questions here at the end that you haven't prepped for. So go with that first, you know, first intuitive response. First one, Christy, fill in the blank. Living richly for you means what? Ah, joy. Just joy. Just living in absolute joy. Perfect. Best $100 you've spent recently and why? Oh, boy. Um, I got a, what was it? It was a crystal 
that um, I got from Sedona. Ooh, that's pretty. And it's all, it's charged for, um, it, you know, uh, increasing the impact you have in the world and your business and all this stuff. It's very, it's, it, I feel the energy of it. So I'll, I'll go with that one. That was a good purchase. Oh, that's a good purchase. <laughs> Sedona now. I love me a little bit of Sedona. A book or podcast that's been highly influential for you? Uh, I would say the book that was highly influential for me was Ask and It Is Given from Abraham Hicks. Um, it's a, it's an older book, maybe 17 years now, but it's uh, it's timeless. It's a beautiful book. I was just going to say, that's a classic. The work of Abraham Hicks, absolutely timeless. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. You feel the calling to your next level of leadership and impact, and all of a sudden you're feeling scared. What's the next thing you do? I call my coach. I call my mentor. I, I you know, uh, process the energy of fear. I connect it with with the council. I meditate. I go inward before I go outward. I think that's always a really good thing to go inwards, right? <laughs> Otherwise, we can start projecting and creating yes. a lot of mess outside. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Something that today you wish you were better at? The piano. Oh. Because, you know, I was just saying this today. My, I had a piano. I had a, a lot of potential as a, um, you know, person that played the piano. And my mom, being very much in scarcity, the piano um, instructor said, you guys got to get her a piano so she can practice more. So my parents, you know, bought a piano and it came with a lot of guilt. You will play and you will this and... And it didn't feel good anymore. And then if I wasn't playing it, you know, she's like, you know, we bought you that piano. It, and it was very just, it, it kind of ruined, ruined it. Mm. And so I, I use that as an excuse when I, I stopped playing the piano to piano as a rebellious act towards my mom. But what I realized was I really loved playing the piano. Mm. And so I have decided to, um, I'm going to get the piano that I had when I was a kid because my parents are moving into adult um, facility uh, you know, and, um, and I'm going to take it and I'm going to start playing, playing the piano again. So mm -hmm. the piano. Love that. And it's a perfect <laughs> example though, of the energy that was around it, right? The whole shoulding and guilting and you must and obligation energy that's all around it kind of takes the joy out of it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Not kind of, it does. <laughs> it did. Yes. <laughs> And then what's on your, normally I say bucket list, but I know full well that it's on your desire list yes. that you'd like to be achieving within the next three years. What's that kind of big desire that's out there? Oh, I have so many, but one of them is um, I have 50 desire factor coaches that have been certified through my coaching academy, through the Quantum Success Coaching Academy. And then they have been certified uh, through this work in the desire factor that they're just all out there you know, creating impact, changing lives, all of their um, practices are filled. And um, there's just a lot of people receiving uh, permission and the know-how, the exact how-to from a spiritual and material perspective, how to create it. Mm, that's so good. It's mm. important work. And then finally, last but not least, but what is something that you're deeply grateful for today? My, my connection with my divine, because I didn't always have it. And it's life-changing. I'm deeply grateful. I'm guided. And I, I'm so grateful that I know what I know that I didn't necessarily know when I was little or growing up. So that deep energetic connection, knowing, knowing how to master my energy is something I'm so grateful for. Mm. 
Hugely, hugely important and impactful. Christy, I could just speak with you all day long. <laughs> well, let's grab tea or something because we're so close. Tea. I know, exactly. I'm like, now we've got so many different things that we can be talking about, not to mention the fact that I also have a piano sitting in my dining room that I got in COVID. <laughs> and oh, I can't awesome. even play Three Blind Mice on it yet, but I want to find my joy of doing that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Christy, honestly, from my heart to yours, thank you so much. Um, and for our listeners as well, really dig in, tap in, tune into Christy's work. It is amazing work. It is the beginning of creation for everything that you want to create in your life and business. And um, as I say, I'm deeply grateful for this conversation today as well. So thank you, Christy. And I look forward to an evolving conversation too. Me too. Thank you for having me on the show and for all that you do, Vanessa.